Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a die-hard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. It's hard. You live with the survivor's guilt. You live with the guilt that you are one of the 5%. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Carling. <laughs> How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Good, but I wish we were recording in the same room. I know. I don't get to see you this weekend, and I'm sad. I don't know how people who podcast remote, like, who um, co-host remotely exclusively. Like, yeah. the best part is the fact that we get to hang out. I know. Lame. Super lame. But yeah, okay. but... It's like a crazy, well, first of all, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to all of our Canadian friends. I don't mean to sound like a Scrooge, but if you've ever listened to my Christmas episode, you'll know that I hate holidays. Yeah. And not, I say not in a Scroogey way, but I know that it comes out as Scroogey. Like I just were celebrating the fact that we colonized indigenous people's land. I know. That is not, that's not okay. It's not cool. And I mean, just over and above that, it just, every holiday, it, somebody ends up being stressed about making it special. And I think if you've got to be stressed about making something special, it's not special. I agree. I have a very hard time with holidays. Uh, yeah. Know this. Um, I would rather just cancel them all, including Christmas. But I, mean, I can't do that because of my children, so... Um, this Thanksgiving, we're having nobody over. It's just us. I'm bought like a turkey breast from the store and the other kids can have chicken strips who does, who don't like turkey. (laughs) Well, that's it too, because your kids last year we did like, we cooked an actual turkey Yeah, and your kids were like, ew, what is this? (laughs) I know half of them don't like it. So yeah. I'm keeping it super low key. I've been trying to clean my house all weekend, including doing my second job. So it's been. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize it's like, I knew what date it was and everything, but everything is just snuck up real fast. And I forgot Lindy went to Saskatchewan for, to see her family. So I um, obviously offered to house it because then I can see the cats and the dogs and, and all of that. But that means that I'm, well, I'm not stuck at her house, but like I'm at her house, which means I'm not packing and I've been staying at Lindsay's like exclusively. And so um, for those that don't know, I'm moving and I'm moving on Friday. Like this comes out on Tuesday. I move a few days from then and I have barely started packing. And do you have to be out, out of your subterranean villa or are they giving you time? Like, uh, you- no, like I gave notice to the first, but um oh. <clears throat> Yeah, we want, like, because nobody wants to move me out of the subterranean villa because no. it was a nightmare. Um, just because of the stairs. It's just, like, an awkward angle. We yeah. have a U-Haul truck and movers coming Friday morning. And they're going to load it up, so I have to be packed. Right. But what I, I didn't anticipate the fact that I would be busy all weekend, sort of, like, animal caring and house-sitting. Plus, it's Thanksgiving, so I'm going to Lindsay's mom's for dinner and then my sister's for dinner tomorrow. And then I worked yesterday um, helping out at the dog daycare that I help out at for 12 hours. Yeah. And then, so that's only Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday. Oh, yeah. Then I have a full-time job. (laughs) And and I have, we've got to do our final walkthrough of the new house on on Thursday but I also offered to help Thursday night at the dog daycare so I'm going to be working like all day Thursday then for until seven on Thursday night I know girl you're yawning you're making me tired yeah and then boom it's Friday so 
Yeah. I don't know. Somehow it's going to get done. So I've just been like editing like crazy to try and get ahead of things. I mean, I guess in, in the end, though, it's good. Like it's it's all, you know, it's oh, yes. But in the end, you're going to be in a house and it's going to be amazing. Right. And yeah. We're super stoked. We're like, yeah. we just want to like, like we like bought a shed and we're excited to build Ooh. it. And like we got like a Google doorbell and we're excited to put that in. Like we're just excited to like get in and do stuff. Oh, totally. It's going to be. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And then I've been, uh, we've been trying to um, get all the furniture that we need on like Marketplace or Kijiji. Yeah. You know, I feel like I always used to know people with trucks and now I don't know anybody. <laughs> and I think so it's everybody got rid of their trucks so they didn't have to help anybody move. Yeah, that and gas prices. That too. So we've been renting U-Hauls and like going to pick up. We wanted to buy some patio furniture, but like used obviously because brand new. We yeah. specifically wanted like an L-shaped sectional like you have. We're yeah. trying to just be you basically. You know, it's cool. So brand new, they're, you know, for like a nice one, you're looking at at least $1,500 all yeah. the way up to like $3,000. So we were like, okay, well, we don't need new. Like we have six dogs and two kids. Like, yeah. Plus your kids. It's just like we don't need something extra nice. So we were looking on Marketplace and Kijiji, but that stuff goes in minutes. Yeah. And there was probably five that we reached out to within a couple hours of being posted. And they were either gone or they were like, okay, we have five people ahead of you. We'll keep you on the list if they don't show up. And then we never got picked. So on last Monday, I saw one for $500 and I was like holy smokes it's like an L-shaped sectional with a table and cushions like all that and that's like a steal of a deal so I messaged her and I said hi is this available and she said yeah I have a few people messaging that they're interested and I was like I can come now like I will rent a U-Haul and I will be there and she was like oh okay yeah well I'm home all day And so while I'm messaging her, I'm on the U-Haul website. It was, I mean, the U-Haul ended up being expensive because I had to go really far northwest. So I like drove to U-Haul, got myself a cube van, drove all the way to Tuscany for anybody that knows Calgary, really, really far west, picked it up. And the lady was like, wow, you got here so fast. And I said, ma'am, I don't think you understand like (laughs) the hot commodity that you have on your hands here. Absolutely. And it was just me because Lindsay was at work and I was like, it's fine. I'll figure it out. I'll try not to get murdered because that's also always on my mind. And so her husband like helped me load it in. And then I had to drive all the way south to like way the deepest part of the city and then drive all the way back around to get back to work. Yeah. I should, <laughs> I should post on our stories that video of me trying to jump through the garage door. Sure, Did I, so I sent it to you. Yeah, I because I couldn't, I didn't have a garage door opener. So I had to like hit the button and then run, but then jump over the sensors. And it took me a couple of tries. I'll post it on our it's stories. Really, it's really funny. It's really funny. <laughs> I just realized so that awkward. I was wearing headphones, but they're not working. So... Oh, I did wonder why you took it off. I was like, maybe she doesn't want to hear my story. No, I'm, I don't care anymore. But is my mic going to pick up you? Nope, I don't think so. Okay. So that's, that's been awesome. me. Yeah, it's all very exciting, but it's just like a lot. It's yeah. a hustle. Yeah, How I are you? I'm okay, I think. Yeah. This is, a, this is a bad time of year for me. I feel yeah, like I just, show it all the time. Yeah, bad time of year. I think Thanksgiving really kicks off. It's Thanksgiving and then it's Halloween. It's like It's like all these holidays that you and Anthony did yeah. a lot of things together. And then it yeah. kind of ends with his birthday. Yeah, exactly. And so this time of year kicked off a lot of other negative things. So it's, uh, it's tough. What I like to do when I am not feeling good is just like needlessly move furniture. Mm -hmm. So at like 10 o'clock the other night, I emptied out my entire dresser and moved it out of my room because I just didn't want it in my room anymore. I am going to have to request though, that you start filming these things because (laughs) I know your bedroom, I was going to say very intimately, but I just mean because we record in there and I sometimes take naps in there. (laughs) And so where your dresser was to get it into the hallway, Mm -hmm. I cannot see how you single-handedly did that. And so I'm going to need you to start filming it. I will. Honestly, I have gotten a lot of furniture out of very tight spots because I feel like when I'm not feeling good moving furniture makes everything better and so (laughs) I feel like yours is like moving furniture and shopping yes 
Mine's like moving furniture and shopping for things to organize, mm-hmm. but then never like following through. You've given me some like secondhand PTSD. Lindsay was like, what do you think about these like pantry organizers? And she was trying to explain them. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> I said no. Or let's see what Michelle has because she has 32 different organization systems. That she's, gonna, that she's gonna change in the next like few months. <laughs> <laughs> I say it with love, so like I know. Yeah. So yeah, so I moved, I did that. I cleaned out my whole room. I got rid of like two garbage bags full of clothes, probably a garbage bag full of just garbage mm-hmm. and random stuff. I'm hoping to have everything clean-ish so I can make Thanksgiving dinner tomorrow and try to relax a little bit with the kids. Yeah. Well that'd be nice. I really wanted to bring up this topic for no other reason than maybe somebody out there has an answer. Does your body ever get one really long hair in a place that is <laughs> like my my right eyebrow? Every now and then, I can't find a schedule for it. I should really have a tracker. But my one eyebrow, deep in all the hairs, like not a hair that I pluck, yeah. gets very long. That's weird. And a little curly if I feel like if I left it, if I let it go rogue, I would have one singular <laughs> eyebrow hair. Out of why, all the things you want to bring up on our podcast. I don't know why. It's because we have video and I was staring at my, and I found it today. I was like, there you are. That's Haven't so seen cool. you in a few months. So what do you do with it? I pluck it out. Okay. And then I'm not going to style it. I'm not going to like get the flat iron and braid it's just literally one eyebrow hair and it's every few months that's really funny and it's like I don't notice it and then it's an inch long I will tell you to make you feel better is that on my wrist I have a freckle Mm -hmm. and I do get a hair that comes out of it oh why it's not a freckle then it's a mole well it's really really tiny like it's not it's not big it's a how long does the hair get I don't know like half an inch and then you pluck it out yeah that's the other thing is like, maybe I should just document it and see how long it goes. You should. It'll be like down. It'll be tickling my eyelashes. Oh, gross. <laughs> yeah, it's so random. And I was just, I, I thought of it and I was like, I should bring this up on the podcast because I bet people want to know about my random eyebrow hair. Definitely. definitely. Singular. So if you have a random hair that grows out of a random part of your body, please send <laughs> us a message. Please. You're dying to know. Dying to know. <laughs> My goodness. But anyway, just as a housekeeping note, we've got an exciting two episodes coming up for Halloween. Yes. Because Halloween ends is on, like, I think it's on a Sunday, the Tuesday before and the Tuesday after. We've got some exciting Halloween episodes and I'm really excited about it. I am too. We're doing some spooky themed episodes. We have an episode with a medium and then we're going to have an episode with a, uh, what does she do? A paranormal investigator. Paranormal investigator, which is I'm so so scared. We haven't even interviewed her yet and I'm scared. I know I'm scared too. We need to do that one together for sure. Yes, in a dark room. (laughs) And then over on our Patreon, we've started telling your story. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a few episodes. We're going to tippy-toe, be gentle with you. And then we also are going to have a Halloween theme episode on our Patreon where we talk to the same medium. And she's going to talk specifically about our readings that she did for us. Yes, she did readings for us. And she's going to be giving away a reading to one of our Patreon members. Yeah. So if I feel like this is something we're trying to do where like we're trying to do draws in our Patreon. So, you know, you sign up for Patreon and it's a monthly subscription which supports the work that we do you get two bonus episodes a month and they're just they're they're extra so we talk about our own stories we have people who specifically wanted their story on the patreon we kind of cover a little bit of everything but yeah. we're trying to do we're trying to do giveaways and so you know just for being a patron member you get your two bonus episodes but then you also get entered into draws to win cool stuff like we just gave away Paul's book we interviewed yeah. um, a guy who does like mind reading and and like mental theft things mm-hmm. and we gave away his book and then when we interview Kaylee about our own readings we're going to give away a reading with her you should be a patron member you should all that to say get on our patreon Anyway, let's get into today's episode. We'll talk to you guys later. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.
Hello, Amanda. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Loving the fall Sunday weather. My God, it is really nice out today. This is like, this is the type of fall that I like. It's beautiful. It's sunny. I'm still not needing to like bundle up, but it's like crisp. Totally. My favorite. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was so excited. I feel like, well, it's like talking to an old friend because we met each other like a hundred years ago. Yes. I know. I was trying to figure out when we actually met, like eight, nine, even 10 years ago. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, I think so. Probably like at a pub night or like one of the meetups. And then, yeah, we just have like a ton of mutual friends. So it's so nice to like connect with you. Yeah, this is awesome. Thanks for giving me a call. Oh my God. I always get, I get nervous asking people that I know (laughs) because rejection is like scary. Like It's easier if somebody who I've never met rejects me. I don't know. So uh, yeah, but I knew from like the get-go, I was like, oh, Amanda's like posted a lot about like living with cystic fibrosis and I got to get up the courage. So I waited until now and then asked you. (laughs) Awesome. I'm always happy to talk about and advocate for people living with CF and um, yeah, just provide a little bit of education and what it's like to live with a chronic illness. Yeah. It's something that I didn't know you had it when I first met you. And then I think you probably posted something on Facebook and I was blown Mm. away by it. Yeah. It's one of those things that because it's being so well managed for me right now, a lot of people don't realize that I'm living with it. But I think if you had met me like a little bit before that, you probably would have known something was like, I was maybe a little bit sick, but you wouldn't have been like quite sure what was going on. But yeah, I can talk a little bit about how I've come to a place of feeling better and some better health for sure. Yeah. Well, why don't we start with like, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell everybody a bit about yourself and then, and then we'll get into it. Yeah, for sure. Um, my name is Amanda and I was born and raised in Calgary in Canada. I am a mom of two adopted kids and I'm 42 years old, which is pretty significant because when I was born, I was told that I wouldn't live past about the age eight age of 18 if I even made it through the first year of life oh my god yeah so I feel pretty excited to have all this bonus time in my life yeah (laughs) and I always think back when we interview people that are like around our age because like that would have been like late 70s early 80s yeah and a diagnosis like cystic fibrosis would have been like so much more devastating I think back then I don't know maybe that's a misconception yeah I definitely think like there are still I can't remember statistically but it is still one of the top five reasons for death in 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 children still in North America. So it does still definitely contribute to, for genetic illnesses, I should specify. So yes, it definitely, there is still a pretty high death rate and it really comes down to the types of genes that you have when you're uh, born with CF. So you do get a gene from the mother and the father. They both have to have a gene for you to have the chance to be born with cystic fibrosis. But the super cool thing is that now in Canada, and I know a lot of the states, they actually do testing right at birth now for and screening for cystic fibrosis. Oh. This early diagnosis is such a huge marker for obviously immediate intervention and prevention of onset lung damage. So I'm happy to talk a little bit about what CF is because I know yeah. it's something that a lot of people probably haven't heard of, although we're getting a little bit more airtime on things like anatomy and stuff like that. Yeah, that's true. These doctor shows. Yeah, there have been some... There have been some movies about it as well, haven't like yeah, some kind I think of like it's the five feet apart. Movie, yes, yeah, which is kind of hilarious because now we're living in a pandemic. But like, yeah, that's true. I like I've known the five feet apart rule. I guess it's six feet apart now, but the five feet apart rule has been a part of my life for the last several years. Like when I go to my CF clinic and there's other people with CF, we have to remain like all the chairs are five feet apart. Wow. We have to wear masks around each other. So that's nothing new for me, but it obviously new in public. But yes, for sure. Principles that were used as protective measures for many years to keep CF people um, from contracting different lung illnesses. But uh, oh, CF wow. is a genetic disorder, as I had mentioned. Uh, both parents have to have the gene present. 
and um, it mostly affects the lungs, but also pancreas, liver, kidneys, and intestines. Basically, it's just that um, my exocrine glands overproduce everything. So my lungs get really gunky. My intestines get really gunky. I don't actually produce pancreatic enzymes, or if I do, it's like very small amounts. So I have to take enzymes when I eat. Otherwise, you just don't digest food. So when I was born, it wasn't something that was super well known about. It wasn't regularly seen or diagnosed because I think a lot of people probably just died from like failure to thrive or gaining weight and they didn't have time to make a formal diagnosis but I just wasn't gaining weight and my mom my parents couldn't figure out what was going on I was just so thin and there were social workers coming to my parents house like they were getting accused of like not feeding me properly it was so sad Um, how old were you I was I was four months when I was diagnosed this was like pre that that I like everything was just going right through me and my parents could not figure out like why I just couldn't gain weight. It wasn't growing. And Um, do you have brothers or sisters? I don't. And so you're an only child. So they had like nothing to compare. Yeah, exactly. So it was their first, they were in their early twenties. It's their first experience with parenting and they're having social workers try to show my mom how to feed me. And she's like, I swear, all she does is eat. I can't, (laughs) I don't know what to do. So it was actually a chiropractor, a friend of theirs gave me a little kiss on the forehead when he was holding me and he tasted the salt on my skin. And that is is actually how we get diagnosed with CF other than genetic testing is what? that we have really high salt content in our sweat. So yeah, I still go for sweat tests every year to see how my how everything's functioning. But he said she tastes very salty. Have the doctors test her for CF. So shout out to all the like naturopathic practitioners out there and chiropractors because he probably saved my life. Wow. That's crazy. I know. It's pretty cool. An off chance of that happening. Exactly. So um, yeah, they sure enough, they tested me for CF and I was like, highly highly positive how did they test for that just yeah back then they would wrap you up in like tons of wool blankets and put like (laughs) pads on you to like soak up your sweat and then like wring out the sweat and test the sweat now they have like a much cooler little thing that they just put on your arm and heat it up with like tens pads kind of that get you like sweating and like I don't know it's hard to explain but it just takes like half an hour and you sit there and this little tube fills up with sweat on your arm but back then it was kind (laughs) of an awful test like yeah no kidding and then test test the sweat and then that's how they would uh, determine if I had CF or not. So yeah, the first couple of years of my life were pretty awful. I was in the hospital for most of that time. And it's interesting how like the long-term impacts of that on attachment and all of that yeah. stuff. It's so interesting now, like knowing what we know about the psychology of living with illness and being separated from parents because of illness and how that impacts you long-term. But I give huge kudos to my parents for advocating for me and also being very honest with me from a time of understanding what I was living with, that it was something that would end my life early. I had a very clear understanding from the time I was probably three or four that I was living with cystic fibrosis, that it wasn't going to give me a long life that I had to do these therapies every day I would sit over a board that was sort of like a triangle and my parents would like it was called like percussive therapy they would like pound my chest essentially with oh. cup hands to help me like drain everything out of my lungs yeah and I would like, hang upside down and get like that's like interesting so I have asthma and if I'm yeah. having an asthma attack I have to be like, my chest has to be lower than like either have to be in like downward dog or like yeah. child's pose because like you're the congestion in your lungs. And I think I've seen a lot on with COVID, a lot of patients end up on their stomachs yeah. because it helps yes. relieve some of that like gunk from their lungs. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I've heard that. I just actually heard that yesterday from somebody who's intubated in the hospital that they had to be on their stomach so they mm-hmm. can- wow. 
breathe better. But yeah, it must help just kind of expel some of that carbon dioxide as well from the lungs. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that every morning. It was just sort of normal life. My parents, we'd get up early. I'd watch those old school Hercules cartoons. (laughs) Therapy every morning. And I would do the Ventolin, like breathe in that like mist machine, which I cannot think of the name of right now. The nebulizer. Nebulizer. Yes. Thank you. The nebulizer. As an asthma um, kid, I'm very familiar with that. Yeah, it's perfect. I like it. It's so funny. I was talking to my friend yesterday. I was like, I've lived with it for so long that I don't even know how to like technically answer, like yeah. talk about it. Cause it's just like my life. I don't really think about it in terms of how to explain it to other people. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. But yeah, my parents were super transparent and honest about it. And I do remember from the time I was four starting to have like my little friends from the hospital dying and learning to grieve and like sit on my parents lap and and cry about that and they were so good about holding space for me to be sad and um, I really appreciated that because I have a lot of friends where it was almost a point of shame they didn't talk about it my friends would hide in the bathroom at school to take their pills and my mom was the one that was going to my kindergarten class with the posters and teaching all the kids about uh-huh. and like ways that they could help protect me. Like if they had a cold to stay home or, you know, stuff uh-huh. like that. And so I really appreciated having that kind of support and voice and feeling proud about this part of me that is just my life and I don't have to hide it or be ashamed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I you know, and I remember just like living in the hospital for a lot of my preschool years was just sort of normal. And yeah, I don't know. I think I felt kind of proud that this was something that was like unique and different about me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that's also maybe a personality thing. I don't, I'm not sure, but yeah. (laughs) What would put you in the hospital? So just like often lung exacerbations if I got, and then it would often turn into pneumonia and I couldn't like necessarily breathe on my own. And I also always struggled with stomach stuff. So my lungs have actually remained decently healthy and undamaged through my life, but I always had major digestive issues. So I just was, so I was never on the height and weight chart. Like my weight was always like not on the chart. Yeah. So as a kid, I would have like a 4,000 calorie a day diet. Oh my God. (laughs) I know. Like it was gross. Like I would eat yeah. like Lucky Charm cereal with like half and half cereal cream on it. <laughs> that sounds to amazing. Like... <laughs> <laughs> my friends always loved coming to my house because I literally had a junk food cupboard that was just full. Of and you're cake. like, I have to eat this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And started to like naturally gain weight, and that's like a time that's like very crucial for people living with CF. It's kind of a make or break at time is if you have enough body weight to you know menstruate and 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 go through puberty and I thankfully luckily did and that was a huge turning point in my health journey because then I was able to start properly gaining weight but there's really no explanation for that other than it just biologically worked out for me I guess oh wow yeah and so, when you were when you were really little, what was the treatment plan for CF? Yeah, at the time it was that physio twice a day, uh, hospitalization if you got any exacerbations or lung infections, regular CF clinics. So I go, I still go every three months for a full morning, and I see a doctor, a physiotherapist, a respiratory therapist, a my, I have my own pharmacist, my own social worker, my own dietitian. You see like so many different specialists that all still continue to support like a holistic approach to my care. So it's pretty cool having, I'm so <laughs> grateful to live in Canada and have yeah. this support. I'm a part of a lot of uh, CF forums like Facebook groups and stuff. And people in the States actually have a shorter lifespan with CF because the healthcare accessibility is so different. Oh my gosh. Um, So yeah, you see, like I have friends that are looking at getting divorced from their partners, not because they want to be divorced, but because their partner suddenly makes too much money for them to qualify for 
public medical care and, and so they have like no way to get insurance and stuff like it's just incredible wow. the kinds of choices people have to make to ensure that they can maintain their health wow and medication so yeah I'm so grateful that mm-hmm. I live here and have an incredible team that I've been working with since I was 18 so you switch clinics to an adult clinic in adulthood and I've had the same psychiatrist since I was age 18, which is like, honestly, the biggest gift of life. Oh, wow. The yeah. therapist, like for your whole adulthood that has like been with you through all of that. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. Oh my that's gosh. Amazing. I'm like, just thinking back at like the amount of therapists I've chained, like, you know, yeah. I mean? yeah. and you have to tell your story again and tell, you know, everything and to have the same one consistently is amazing. Yeah, going back, like I remember some really key points growing up when I was 12, the life expectancy was 24. And I remember crying myself to sleep on my 12th birthday. So I was like, this is it. Like I've like lived half my life. And there was just a lot of pressure to make life as full as possible. And Mm-hmm. You know, you you talk about for sure, like living each day to the fullest and, and enjoying each moment. And I like 100% subscribe to that. But it's sometimes like when you're told that you're going to die at such a young age, it becomes like almost a sense of pressure. Absolutely. Yeah, I like fit all of this life into 24 years. How am I going to do that? And it really like f- formed just so many of my beliefs and ideals and I got married very very young when I was 19 because I was so afraid that like if I died early I wouldn't ever get to be married or have kids and like you know enter into these things that maybe weren't actually the best life decisions for me but yeah no but I think that's interesting because I think that I talk a lot about like the straight agenda and I think that that is who decided that to have a full life and all those experiences that it included marriage and kids. And I wonder how much of it was the world telling you the experiences you should have before you die versus maybe experiences that were age appropriate that you wanted to have independent. I don't know. Oh, a hundred percent. And I also grew up in the church and even like, even as an evangelical Christian, and I still like definitely have some of that belief system, but much more deconstructed in my life (laughs) there was definitely a lot of that sort of traditional like god has gifted you with this extra time what are you doing with it how are you making it purposeful you know and it really like (laughs) i developed some pretty significant anxiety about like oh my gosh i have to fill this time and i have to be purposeful all the time and really like because it's not just it's not just your illness it's the pressure on top of that to live each day to the fullest and some days you probably just don't want to live each day to the fullest, right? It's like, give me a fucking break, right? Yeah. But then you probably feel guilty about that as well. Absolutely. And I think like I've gotten this awesome gift of time. So about, it started about 10 years ago that this new drug was developed um, that actually changes the way one of the malfunctioning (laughs) parts of CF works. And so it actually makes it function properly. So it was only for 5% of the gene types of CF. And I happen to be one of the lucky ones that has this like gene type that only 5% of CF people have. So I think it was six years ago now that I started that drug. And that's like what really changed the trajectory of my life. I started gaining weight. I started to not be able to eat whatever I wanted. <laughs> like the right? one thing about having CF. Yeah. <laughs> all the cake and not have to worry about it. But also just amazing. Like I started to my lung function went from about 75% to 95%. And Whoa. just seeing this incredible change in my life and having energy and recognizing oh my goodness I actually might live longer and live like a good quality of life where I feel pretty good and that's such an amazing gift and also like very strange when all of a sudden you're like well now what do I do now I have all this time and I was like thinking I wouldn't have much time left (laughs) so like yeah my life now and and just be like happy in the moment instead of always being like how do I like make sure my life is like as impactful and amazing as possible and like 
Mm-hmm. And just learning in my 40s now to dial that back and take the PJ days. I schedule in PJ days where I'm just <laughs> like, I'm taking this day to not feel guilty and lay in bed all day and just like, yeah, enjoy that. And yeah, just learning to enjoy the non-significant parts of life. Because I right. think I lived yeah. in such a way where if it wasn't grand and huge or I wasn't doing something amazing to save the world, that I wasn't fulfilling my purpose and Mm -hmm. it's sort of a weird opposite message because I think it's obviously important to feel a sense of purpose and to fill our lives with things that are meaningful but yeah it's been a very strange like second half of my life where all of a sudden I have this time that I never expected yeah that's amazing can you talk a bit about, so you got married at 19. Mm-hmm. What was, what was that conversation or like, or what is that conversation like when you're dating? Because uh, yeah, what is, I don't know what it would be like to have like a, like an illness like that and have to disclose it. Yeah. Well, and I'm dating again now. So oh, like- wow. Going through that again is, it is an interesting thing. So I went to a private school growing up that everybody kind of just knew that that's the sick girl. She's a miracle child. Yeah. (laughs) And I ended up actually marrying somebody that I met at that school when I was 19. Oh, wow. That was something that was already sort of known. But I do recall my parents had my ex-husband over. We're still great friends and we co-parent our children really, really well. So I'm super grateful for him in our lives. And we have like a really great co-parenting relationship. But uh, yeah, I think they basically sat him down and I was out of town. (laughs) My parents said like, we think you're a great partner for Amanda, but like, here's what you need to understand about some of the things that could be a part of your future. And you need to consider like, she may get sick. You may be dealing with end of life care and wow you know sort of having that conversation with him I was livid (laughs) (laughs) wow but I understand why they did that I yeah totally get it but I was so annoyed that they had that because it just felt like something I should have had but I probably wasn't mature enough to actually say it out loud and be honest about what life can look like in end of stage like I have so many friends that have had, you know, the lung transplants and I've been with them on the day that they passed or, mm-hmm. you know, days before. And I've watched so many people die from this disease and it's, it's hard. It, you live with the survivor's guilt. You live with the guilt that you were one of the 5% that is on this medication that's made my life so much better. And, you know, but yeah. And I always, would try to get my ex to come visit my friends in the hospital. He did come once because I always just was like, I need you to see this. I need you to see what it might be like for us someday. Wow. But he never really wanted to. So, and I understand that too. It's it's like, maybe it's easier to not know and just go through it when the time comes. How do you kind of take care of your mental health when you see, like you said, the people around you who are passing away from this? Like, how do you take care of yourself mentally when, when it comes to that? Well, that psychiatrist I told you yes. about. Yeah. yeah. Like is huge in that. And I mean, she specializes in cystic fibrosis psychiatry. So she gets, oh, wow. you know, she's so good at framing that. But I think I've had conversations with my friends when they were at, you know, end of life and told them like, I hate this. I hate that it's yeah. you and not me. And like, you know, and every single one of them has said, I don't live your life, like do it Aww. for me because you got to be healthy. And I want you to like go forward and have this great life. Wow. Yeah. Because I couldn't. And, you know, I think so many of my friends have really helped me release that. And I do, I think of them all the time when I'm doing, I had one friend in particular that we were hospitalized together in high school and we were just like soul sisters. And I still, she passed away probably 15 years ago now, but I think of her all the time when I'm doing something special and I'm like look at me Deb like can you believe I'm doing this and like you know so I I think I really had to frame it in a way of living in the ways that they couldn't and the things that they couldn't but yeah it is it's it's 
brutal. It's terribly sad. Absolutely. And it's scary when you see the struggle to breathe and they're hooked up to all these machines and they finally say enough, like take it all off. Like I'm wow. done. And wow. you know, making that decision and which I highly respect and <laughs> I am absolutely that decision to say like, you know, stop with the interventions. I can't mm-hmm. fight this anymore. And um it's definitely not a fun thing to witness but there is still no. definitely like a psychological separation because it's like I'm not yeah. there yet and I can't picture being there yet so there is still like even though that might be my future there is still like a bit of I still don't understand it and it's still yeah. not yeah. that I think oh that's gonna be me right away it's not I still have time and so wow. and so when you were 12 your life expectancy was 24 yeah so by the time you were 19 and getting married was your life expectancy still 24 or had it been extended? It was extended to, I think, about 35 at that time. And I was doing decently well, you know, at that time. So I thought, oh, maybe I'll like live to like my 40s was sort of the predicted amount of time. Now, actually, when I was 16, so when I was growing up, my x-rays, my chest x-rays, Uh, would show that the right side of my heart was enlarged and they kept saying it's kind of odd but like once she's fully grown if it's still enlarged then we'll like investigate and they actually found out when I was 16 they did a bunch of testing and found out that I also had a heart defect oh no um, that would have killed me like I would have died in my probably about age 30 my heart would have just like conked out oh my gosh so I always like joke that CF in a really weird way saved my life because what are the chances that I would have had chest x-rays yeah yeah so I ended up having open heart surgery when I was 16 oh my gosh as well (laughs) on top of all of it of course why not (laughs) Um, yeah and I've also had like I also a side effect of CF can be because of the chronic inflammation I have rheumatoid arthritis that I've had to Mm. deal with and you know, it's just interesting when your major organs don't work fully, how it impacts and tires out the other yeah. functions of the body. And then I also struggled with infertility, which is super common for women with CF. And most men with CF are infertile as well. So, you know, there's just lots of extras, extra yeah. bonuses that come along with it that were things I never thought I'd have to consider. I never thought I would even get to an age where having a baby would be a smart choice, you know? Yeah, right. So what was that like? Is that sort of what led you down the road to adoption? Yeah, so my ex-husband and I had tried for a few years and went through infertility treatments and did find that I had unexplained infertility. And so, yeah, we ended up choosing to adopt two kiddos interracially. My son's now 15 and my daughter's 12. And that's like a whole nother conversation. Yeah, Yeah, we talked about having, we'd love to have you back talk about that story because it's been really Yeah, that has been, in my adulthood, the most challenging part of my life for sure is my Mm -hmm. beautiful babies come with so many mental health complexities, which has been like also hard to obviously manage my health and it's something that my CF team is very on top of and when you know my kids are going through stuff I'm going to extra psychiatry appointments and doctor's appointments just to make sure that my body's still <laughs> holding up under yeah. that so it is it's something pretty huge to manage but it's also such a privilege that I get to do something like this and and get to be a mom and see my children into adulthood which is just like was literally never something I dreamed about as a child because I just assumed that that would never be a part of my life so it's pretty cool that's got to be such a crazy thing to think about like as a child being told that your life expectancy is so short and then now you're somewhere that you never thought you would be even the decision to go to university I decided not to right so I'm not gonna live long enough to have a career and now I'm like in my 40s and I'm like kicking myself to like have more of a career now I think that's I don't know what the right adjective is but like for you and your husband to make the decision to grow your family and have kids is great but like that must have been huge for your husband because Mm -hmm. you're signing up to be a widowed parent 
at some point. Yeah. And like Michelle can speak as a widowed parent. Yeah. It's like not great. (laughs) No. Something you want to sign up for, for sure. No, I think we did a lot of work with my doctors and CF team to kind of determine at the time, and I didn't even have that medication, like what life expectancy would look like based on like my numbers and stuff at the time. So they felt fairly confident. Obviously there's no way to hundred percent predict things, but they were fairly confident that I'd be able to parent my children into adulthood by my mid twenties, um, based on my lung function and the lack of lung damage. But those were conversations that we also had to have with social services. When we went to adopt, we actually lost one match because the lady that worked at that particular agency knew about CF and just refused to listen. Like my doctors had sent letters, like we had sent in with our package, like letters Mm -hmm. of my health and that my doctors were confident I could healthily parent a child into adulthood. But yeah, we actually had one woman like deny us a child that we were about to pick up based based on the fact that I'd see up. So yeah, like it's hard. And And I I mean, yeah, like planning on adopting is not a, is not a decision that you go into lightly ever. (laughs) And then to do that while being, you know, sick it's that must have been such a huge conversation and such a huge life decision. Yeah, and I think Ryan, my ex husband, was he is still an awesome dad. And he, mm-hmm. when we did split up, he said, like, it's kind of funny because I always expected to be a single parent. Oh. So this isn't something that like <laughs> what happened in a different way than right. what we had planned for. It's, it wasn't something that hadn't ever been considered for him because right. he, always, you know, kind of, he knew that he would likely end up a single parent at some time, at some point. So He's an awesome dad and I'm so thankful I get to co-parent my kiddos with him because they are particularly challenging and come with their own set of yeah. difficulties. And so it's great to have somebody else to team up with to mm-hmm. work. <laughs> How open were you with your kids as they were growing up about having CF? So I always, my daughter has pretty low intellectual functioning. So she doesn't have a strong sense. I do tell her, but I remember when Elliot, my son, was a baby and I coughed a lot. It was quite, it was a lot more obvious that I was sick um, when he was younger. And I remember that right from the time he was a baby, because he used to sleep on my chest, he would like brace himself every time I went to cough. It was almost oh. like it gave birth to him. Like he knew as soon as I was going to cough, he would sort of like oh tense his little muscles up and stuff. So it was like so sweet because he already kind of like knew. So That's he- so cute. <laughs> it was so sweet. Oh. I think he had a stronger sense of it than Emmy ever has. But I also, Emmy was pretty young when I started- that medication. So sometimes I have to remind my kids that like, and they know that my son will be like, Oh mom, you're always tired. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, buddy, I live, I live with CF and like, yeah, it yeah. Sucks. like sometimes I'm just more tired than other moms. And yeah, you know, recently we've had a little bit of an issue with vaping because he's 15. And- oh, no. <laughs> oh, that terrifies me for like all the kiddos in my life that like vaping is such a thing yeah oh it's such an annoying thing (laughs) and it's just so accessible like it's easier to get vaping stuff than it is to get cigarettes it's like can't you just smoke a cigarette like we used to do (laughs) you know we talk about it I'm like buddy like you're making this choice to damage your lungs and your mom won't get that choice and like yeah and you're living with you know yeah based on that and it's like a responsibility you didn't ask for but like mom didn't ask for this and I'd like you to consider the way that you're treating your body because mom didn't get a healthy body to start out with and you have this healthy body so like take care of it absolutely so when you started taking the medication did it change your life expectancy or did it just eliminate the need for kind of calculating that No, I definitely still anticipate like not a full life, but Mm -hmm. it definitely delays certain onsets of 
I guess, like the de- the degeneration of the disease. Right. But yeah, I think the, so. It damages my liver though taking this med. Right. Oh, so okay. I constantly have to go get my liver checked and and my kidneys and you know you're constantly checking your blood levels and so I take so many meds that cause other issues so it's like right. keeps me going in the moment but I know that whether I pass away of actual CF or just like organ damage from all of the medications that I wow. take like it will in some way take me out <laughs> the exciting thing is that they just last week approved a new drug called Trikafta and it's been approved in Ontario Saskatchewan and Alberta and they're working on the rest of Canada that is very similar to the one that I'm on, but works for like 65% of the people with CF. Wow. So we're very excited. This has been years in the coming. It's been, it's or years in the making. Like it's been in the States for several years already, but it costs $300,000 a year. So that's how much my medication costs, which is why the government has been so resistant to pay for it because yeah. literally take two pills a day and every pill is four hundred dollars oh, oh my god like it's just insane and these big pharma companies because cf isn't a super common disease they're not going to highly widely distribute it like a cancer mm-hmm. cure mm-hmm. right big pharma goes in and says okay well we need to make as much money as possible before the generic brands can come out we're going to charge 300 grand a year per patient and like will not negotiate that. So it's just taken years for the government to essentially be willing to foot the bill for that, which sucks. <laughs> wow. And like the the medication that you're on for CF, is it covered by Alberta Health, like our universal health care? It's covered by Alberta Blue Cross. So I do oh, have okay. to pay the Blue Cross free, which like happy to do that, obviously, yes. to cover it. But yeah, so they have a, an agreement with the province, though, to cover that. So I right. have to prove every year I get testing, like I said, the sweat test. And a couple of other tests to prove that it's still working well enough because if they're only seeing a very small margin of improvement, they would not let me stay on the medication. Oh, wow. Wow. So day to day, like how are you when it comes to like physical activity and things like that? Like, do you have things that you're not able to do? No, I... I should work out. <laughs> yeah, shouldn't we all? Yeah. <laughs> it would be beneficial just like for everybody, but I, I don't. But it would be beneficial for sure to like strengthen my lungs. But right. I actually sing. I used to sing for the Calgary Opera Company for 10 wow. years. And I do a lot of singing and they've actually done, because of me, they've done a whole bunch of studies on the power of singing for strengthening the lung muscles, like doing classical style singing, because it's That's like a amazing. great clearance technique. So they've actually, I have a friend, I guess, who did a, her whole master's degree thesis based on like finding out about my classical training and the way it's kept my lungs so healthy. And so she actually started an entire program for lung diseases and started doing like singing exercises and breathing exercises that are utilized in singing for ways to strengthen the lungs. So that is so neat. Yeah, kind wow. of a weird thing that I fell upon in my teen years, started training classically for music and it ended up possibly saving my life and keeping me really healthy. So. Absolutely. Wow, that's amazing. And so with COVID, obviously that has changed things for you when oh. it comes to like the safety of being out in the public. Have you had to take extra measures to protect yourself? I definitely did before I got vaccinated. I was very, like, very concerned, kept my circle extremely small. And obviously, like, the masking, even at home, if people were dropping by or whatever. But since I've been vaccinated, I've been a little bit more open to going out and doing different things because... I still want to live my life. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I definitely am super appreciative of the vaccination and the opportunity to do that. And yeah, I still obviously like wear my masks. I actually went to Europe 
last week for nine days for like this amazing solo trip in Paris and it looked incredible oh it was incredible and I'm just so thankful that I did that for myself and they managed COVID so well over there it was incredible to see you know another country that's so densely populated and the way that they're managing it but yeah I just felt like I still have that urgency for sure in the way that I live my life and I still want to have adventures and explore. And so, yeah, I did that for myself as a little bit of a healing journey after a difficult year. And I'm so glad that I did that. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. uh, Yeah. So I'm just like extra cautious. I always have hand sanitizer with me. I wear the mask, but I am still definitely living my life. Yeah. What's it been like? So you said you're considering or you're like entering the dating world again. Have you had people sort of like with a negative reaction or I guess like how do you bring that up when you're entering like a romantic partnership? (laughs) Yeah, it's complicated, especially as an adult. Like I feel like it was almost easier when I was younger. I don't know. Like I am actually seeing somebody right now and they've been awesome about it. And I, I bring it up fairly soon. Like once I know that there's actual interest, right? mutual interest, it's something that I bring up kind of around the same time that I bring up that I have interracially adopted children with like some mental health complexities because they're two huge parts of my life that I'm honest about but it's also like one of those things where you have to have some boundaries around protecting yourself too so you don't want to like spill it all out but I'm fairly transparent of like this is who I am this is like part of the package (laughs) yeah CF and my kids and you know that's take it or leave it because I'd rather reveal that early on and you know them decide if that if they're willing to proceed or not then get too far in and yeah. really like somebody and then them be like oh yeah no I can't do this yeah yeah um, well and I mean thankfully at our age everyone comes with something into a new relationship totally. right like we all have yeah. baggage so oh, <laughs> it's yeah. not like yeah. weird to have something that is making your life more complex my yeah. therapist who I just adore when I was like, I don't know, like, I don't know if I should start dating. Nobody's going to want to date me. I have so much baggage. She was like, Carling, if somebody, if you meet somebody and they don't have baggage, like at your age, that is a red flag. (laughs) And that means that they're probably not being honest. Yeah. (laughs) And like, everybody will have baggage by your age. Yeah. And you just have to make sure that your baggage and their baggage align or, you know, can live together. (laughs) Totally. And it's all about how we've processed and dealt with the baggage too, right? Right. Like, I think that's such a huge piece. And that was always on my list of requirements for dating is that other people, we all, as you said, we all have baggage, but how have they managed it? How have they come through it? And what's their perspective on it? Are they still carrying it around heavily or have they processed it and integrated it and accepted it as a part of who they are right mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I think that that's like a huge part so I don't think I actually haven't had any adverse reactions when I've revealed my CF most people are very interested and want to like learn a bit more about it and the person that I'm dating right now like immediately did a bunch of research online which I'm like oh don't read that <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, but I think that's good. It's like, learn about it and decide if it's something you want to take on or not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there's other parts of me that are awesome and worth getting to know. So absolutely. Yeah. I guess how you have to go into any relationship when as an adult. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I find there's, there's like something easier about dating in my late thirties because there's just this sense of like, this is me. So yeah. Like, does it, is it something that you're agreeable to? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Whereas like in my twenties, I felt, I think my identity was more about fitting me into their life. Yeah. Like changing for them and making yourself more desirable for them and now it's just like I don't care yeah like here I am who I am (laughs) yeah absolutely and that's definitely a state where I'm at as well because I think like you said Carling like no one's gonna want to date me like look (laughs) at my life yeah through that like I also have like a lot of cool things about me to bring to the table and I do think I do have a like particularly adventurous 
spirit because I do recognize the tenderness and fragility of life. And so, yeah, absolutely. you know, I think that that brings something to the table for people that are interested in living that way. So yeah, yeah. I think that you have this huge perspective on life that not many people have. And like you said, it, it does make you just have this kind of amazing spirit. And it's just, it's just an interesting way of, of living. It's nice to have all this bonus time. I'm a fan. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. What a yeah. great way to look at it. I yeah. love that. That's really awesome. I think too, when you grow up, being exposed to so much death you really accept it as a part of life and it's still very sad and mm-hmm. obviously I cry and grieve and and mourn the loss of people that I loved it come it it becomes less I, I don't know like it's still traumatic I don't know how to say it but mm-hmm. it's just sort of like you just accept it as this is this comes with living death absolutely comes with living. yeah and yeah it's just what it is. And Michelle, I mean, I can't even imagine going through what you've been through at all. And I definitely do not want to downplay the oh, sudden no. loss of a spouse, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Like but again, like I have this perspective as well, too. It's like everyone is going to go through this. Yeah. You know, yeah. everyone is going to lose somebody and mourn and grieve and, you know, nobody's immune to this happening to them. So, you know, of course there's situations where it's just devastating when you lose somebody Mm -hmm. so young but at least we can help those people who are gonna go through it you know yeah and and help them get through it as well oh that's such a nice little message (laughs) it's like sitting here smiling at michelle Yeah, therapy. No, that is therapy cool. for you. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. And, yeah. you know, I'm not necessarily a believer that everything happens for a reason. I think no. something happened and they just freaking stuck. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, it's like we take our grief and then we figure out how to help other people grieve, I think. Yeah, and absolutely. I've had so many opportunities to help others through their grief and I've been through grief this last year again and learning in different ways to live with that grief and I think you know it is it is just part of life when you come out the other side eventually and and start over and with new tools and new empathy and that's how we move on that's amazing well we're so thankful that you were so candid with us and I yeah, I learned so much. I thought I Absolutely. sort of like knew more about CF than I think I did. That's really interesting. Yeah, I'm happy to be able to talk about it. So thanks for the invite. Yeah, and we'll have to have you back because I, I think you just have a lot of interesting stories. Yeah, I would love to. I would love yeah. to talk about adoption and the mental health journey of that because I know lots of parents in the same boat and yes, and the struggle of parenting in ways that you never thought you would have to yeah absolutely awesome well we'll let you go enjoy the rest of your day okay thanks so much you guys that was fun yeah thank you you so much we'll talk soon have a great day you too bye bye hey michelle hey carly how nice is amanda she's so sweet and her life i mean i couldn't imagine like just her life yeah i don't know what to say because you think that you don't have a lot of time and then you do have more time. And then it's like, what am I going to do with this time? And I want to make it count. And yeah. And you know, the fact that she's an adopted mother, like it's just, yeah, she's got stories. Yeah. I'm really excited to have her back to talk about her experience with um, international adoption, interracial adoption, and just Mm -hmm. like adoption period. I think it'll be really good. Anyway, I hope that you have a lovely Thanksgiving. And I'm, this is the first time in two years that I haven't, I guess, first time in three years that I I won't see you for Thanksgiving. Oh, I'm sad. I'm going to cry. I'm sorry. And your stuffing. Eat extra stuffing on my behalf. I mean, I got a turkey breast for dinner, but I bought three boxes of stuffing. So. Oh, yeah. Like, (laughs) I remember (laughs) when you were pregnant with your oldest, your first pregnancy, I think you like messaged me one day and you were like, well, I just sat and ate a whole box of stuffing. Yeah. Like that was all you wanted to eat. That's all I ate. It was amazing. Yeah, that's because what I think because about. Because you can't just eat stuffing when it's oh, not a holiday or there's no. turkey involved, right? No, I mean, left unattended, I'd probably just eat boxes of it all day, every day. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I wanted to mention quickly that this past Monday, so yesterday, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, my episode on Widow We Do Now podcast is out. So it came out on Monday. and Oh, yeah. We... That's the 10th of October? Yes. 11th? 
Okay, so on Monday, October 11th, <laughs> the episode that we you and I were... And we are in the past. <laughs> well, whoa. <laughs> yeah, we both got to chat with the ladies at What Do We Do Now? Yeah, so actually, I realized I sent them pictures, but I didn't send them any pictures of me and you. You only sent them pictures of you? Why did I think that I did that podcast by myself? Oh my God, it was like... <laughs> you're a widow and like the role that um, our friendship played <laughs> well i guess i see where this is going okay, i will be sending them another email with some more pictures. oh my gosh as soon as you said yeah we did it i was like wait a second <laughs> oh my god i'm leaving all of this in the outro this is the thing that people get to listen to if they're still listening. That's so funny. Okay, so the episode that Carling and I did with what we do now is <laughs> And they were so fun to talk to. And I think they're very similar to us. Yes. And we're going to have them on our podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So check that out. And check out the pictures of just me. <laughs> <laughs> they're probably like um did carling not want to be in pictures or are they fighting i'm dying that is so funny that's incredible i see where Sorry. our friendship stands uh yeah true. <laughs> just kidding well happy canadian thanksgiving and you know on behalf of all of canada i'm sorry that we colonized that's what i'll say i just like i don't want to say happy thanksgiving i want to just be like guys i'm sorry we need to be better I am sorry. Do better. Yeah, maybe that's what the day should be called. The I'm sorry, do better day. Yeah, absolutely. But can we still anyway. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think like the stuffing is an... Yeah, every occasion needs to have stuffing. The stuffing did nothing wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need a sticker. The stuffing did nothing wrong. It's the people who eat the stuffing that are horrible. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, make sure yeah. you guys follow us on all the things. We are on patreon instagram tiktok facebook i think that's that it all. all right enjoy bye. your day and we'll talk to you guys next week okay bye, bye. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeats, B-E-E-T-S dot com and save 15% with promo code DEAL.